Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. A very news-heavy bye week. I hope neither of you have uh, have planned. You had to scuttle. This is a this is a unique buy. I don't know that I have ever really experienced anything quite like this with covering Nebraska on a bye week. But uh, a lot of news came out on Monday. We'll just run right through it. We'll start with this. Trev Alberts and Scott Frost released statements Monday at about two o'clock, saying that Scott Frost would indeed be back in 2022 uh, with a more clear vision for what the Nebraska program will look like and a restructured contract. And I'll let these guys dive into what the exact deal or what the exact numbers are for that. And that was at about two o'clock, about two hours later, or right before four o'clock. Eh, was it? Yeah. Right before four o'clock news hit that Nebraska would be moving on from four members of its staff all on the offensive side of the ball, quarterback coach, Mario Verduzco, offensive coordinator, wide receivers, coach, Matt Lubick, running backs coach, Ryan Held, and offensive line coach, Greg Austin, signaling a pretty big change um, or apparent change in Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska. Those coaches all came with him over from UCF and other than Matt Lubick, who joined the staff two years ago, have largely been part of his build and his rise as a college football coach. And all of this comes off of yet another loss, a good performance, but a loss that drops Nebraska to three and seven in the 2021 season. So that's kind of your quick rundown and we will go immediately for reaction to Brian Christofferson. Brian, what did you make of the news yesterday and where does that leave things? I wasn't surprised. Uh, Frost was retained. I expected they would do that this week. Um, I did not necessarily expect uh, the staff changes to all happen right now. I thought, that might be about two or three weeks down the road, probably a couple of days after the Iowa game. Uh, so that was that was sudden. But I think what you're seeing here is uh, sort of the connection to early signing day and the way the calendar has moved up for these decisions as a whole. Like Trev Alberts could have waited, and I think if he had his druthers and the calendar were different, he would have waited a couple of weeks to see how they performed against Wisconsin and Iowa. But more or less, with early signing day and recruiting and needing to send guys on the road and knowing who's on your staff and who isn't, they sort of had to come to a resolution of who are you going forward with in 2022? In a way, this was the deadline for next year's decision, and it had to be because of the calendar. So uh, I, I get why it all went down the way it did. I take, I, I'm, I take no pleasure or any of that. Uh, when guys lose their jobs, like, I mean, it's always tough. Like when you're reporting on that stuff and, and those guys were class guys and maybe they didn't get it done win wise, like you would hope. Um, but I've sort of gotten past, I think in the, sometimes around here, we have vilified assistant coaches or coaches who didn't work out here. And uh, I thought we did that somewhat with Troy Walters and I don't think it was completely fair to him. So I'm not going to, point the finger at any of those four guys who got dismissed and say, Oh, you know, it's, it's all on them or anything like that. It was just a deal where Scott Frost basically as the head guy gets one more crack at it. And he's probably right that he needs fresh ideas in the offensive room. That's probably a smart move. Um, but it's, it's gotta be a bitter pill for him to say goodbye to guys who 
were really like family to him when he started his rise at UCF and even with Lubick before that at Oregon. So it had to be a heck of an emotional day over there. Um, even as this is sort of the movement into what they hope are better days for this program. Brunts, what about you? Yeah, the, <clears throat> I wasn't particularly surprised that, that he's back for next year. Um, you know, I, w- I was initially the, – the shocking part was more the, the dismissal of the assistant coaches um, a couple hours after everything was announced. But I started thinking about it last night after I had a chance to kind of reflect a little bit. And, you know, in a lot of ways, um, you know, with, what Scott Frost is doing with those decisions is what USC did with their head coaching job or what LSU did – with their head coaching job. You know, I I think that there's probably a plan for who he wants to bring in. I think when you have those types of moves made, what it does is it signals to coaches that that is there. It allows you to start the conversation sooner and maybe you get, you know, the, the guys in place really quickly after that Iowa game to hit the road with, or to, you know, start coming through the portal or, you know, the, the, the other part of it is too, if you're bringing over assistance from other programs, I mean, there's likely going to be um, some recruits that are attached to those assistant coaches um, who you could potentially benefit from too. So I think that the timing is shocking, but I think given what's ahead for Scott Frost and, and the program, if you were going to make that decision anyways, I think you just kind of make it now and kind of start like BC said yesterday. I mean, the, the 2022 season essentially started yesterday. Um, you know, certainly Wisconsin and Iowa matter in the, the, you know, the fact that games are going to be played, but um, everything now I think has to be looked at through the lens of what is, what does this mean for 2022? Because you know, Scott Frost is essentially pushing you know, $8 million into the middle of the poker table and going all in on this thing. And, you know, that that's kind of where you're at now is, is looking forward to 2022 and how do you kind of get everything in place now? Yeah, it's a, um, there's, there's a lot of different kind of strands to, to pull on this whole thing. And so I guess I'll start with this one and I'm going to just leave it a little bit open-ended when given an opportunity to shift the offense after Troy Walters Scott Frost brought in Matt Lubick and Matt Lubick exits along with Held and Verduzco and and Greg Austin on Monday and I guess what I would ask you guys is what what impact if any looking back on it now do you feel like Matt Lubick sort of had the last time Scott Frost was going to change up his offense, so to speak, or at the very least bring in an offensive coordinator. Well, I guess you'd have to say, you know, it's a results business and I would say it didn't work out. You know, I think Matt Lubick's got some sharp ideas and you sometimes see, um, you see the cleverness on display uh, at times each week, but there has been that struggle to find as some other teams in this conference have, what can you hang your hat on when it's a tie game, when you're down four points with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter and the narrative of the season is hanging in the balance? 
and that has been something Nebraska's reached for. And I think this staff has some ideas of what that can be, but it has never grabbed it. And they never grabbed it uh, with the Frost Lubick connection quite. Um, and so I think, I mean, I don't know that they're going to make a wholesale change to their scheme. That's going to be fascinating to see who he brings in as an OC. It's going to be fascinating to see if, if Frost in this sort of last chance situation truly does become like a CEO, like it's been suggested, I think, by Trev Alberts. Um, and he gives the reins to a guy who maybe has a different philosophy. How does that blend? How much does Frost want to be involved in that? Um, all that's going to be really interesting. Um, but I, I'll let Bruns answer that question further. But I do like the idea of more of a CEO Frost in this last chance opportunity. And I like him giving the reins over to somebody else and trusting that. And I like the idea of Frost maybe within that CEO going over and taking over some QB coaching responsibilities. And then you open up that position to a special teams coordinator who he's got the whole thing. And this is not a knock on Mike Dawson. I just think he's spread thin and he's doing well with his outside linebackers. He's a good coach. Everybody loves what's happening on the defense, but take that off his plate, bring in a coordinator, let Frost coach the QBs let an OC take control of things. That would sort of be the map that I'm kind of, when you read between the lines, that seems to be on the table right now. Yeah, I, the, the thing that I think bringing in Matt Lubick did was, and it was, it was, you have to also acknowledge the fact that there was that COVID year in there too, which was kind of mm -hmm. odd for everybody involved, but you never had the opportunity for Scott Frost, whether he didn't want to do it or he couldn't do it, but he never gave up kind of that focus on that narrow focus on the offense. I mean, even though they were, you know, Matt Lubick took on a bigger role in calling plays, they were kind of doing it in tandem. And when you look at the kinds of things that Nebraska has to correct over the next year, it's, detail stuff it's special teams it's personnel I, I also agree it's personnel usage and rotations um you know it, it's it's stuff that is going to require a lot of attention and the the kind of metaphor I keep coming back to is if you've got a guy that owns a restaurant you know there's a lot of things that you have to be concerned about but you know if you have the owner who's just kind of got his head down in the kitchen you know, making pizza or something like that. That's kind of where you're at. And I, I agree with BC that if this, if they're able to bring in somebody kind of for maybe outside that organ type tree, I think that allows a, a little bit more of a different look for the offense. It allows Frost to be a little bit more of, um, you know, kind of that, that CEO type. And, and the thing I always go back to is you've got this head coach who, has been has coached under, under all these great coaches. He's coached on defense. He's coached on offense. You know, he played a lot of special teams in the NFL. But for four years, you've just had this kind of narrow focus that has felt like on the offense, which has been a huge issue. But it feels like there's always fires raging elsewhere that he doesn't that he hasn't attended to. So we'll see if this clears things up there but I, I just 
I think Matt Lubick is, is a fine coordinator. I think he's a good assistant coach. I just don't know that that kind of a hire was the right one at the time when it seemed like things were kind of being called for to, to kind of re really kind of shuffle the deck a little bit more than what he did. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of what brings me back to where you're at right now is that I have a tough time. I, and, and the decision is made, right? Like, so Scott Frost is coming back. I sort of have a tough time with the idea that someone who when given an opportunity to change things up last time, more or less double down for what exactly his offense is, he never really has seeded his grip or control or fingerprints or whatever you want to call it on the offense um, in recent years. And now when facing what's allegedly an ultimatum season, he's tasked with bringing in a whole new set of offensive coaches to join Sean Becton. And he's going to step away into more of a CEO role. Like it's just, there's stuff in there that's hard for me to understand why this would happen with a guy who seems each time to assert himself more and more into what's happening. So I guess I, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out why now all of a sudden when his career is on the line, he would just hand off the reins to the offense to someone else. Does that make sense? Sort of. I, well, I think desperation is the answer. Um, and that desperation doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a good thing in some ways. If it, it's like, okay, I've tried to knock my head against the wall or do it a certain way. I need to take a different path here. I, I understand that. And he's being forced to, I mean, there's no other option because what has, what they've tried just hasn't, hasn't worked. <clears throat> I think there's sort of a great clarity today though. I know some people wanted the bandaid ripped off yesterday, the whole thing. And I get that, but I think Trev played the best hand he could <clears throat> with what the situation is. I think he knocking that buyout number down was huge. I think the fact that frost is in on it and understands it's now or never. And we're now past the narrative of, well, they can never get rid of this guy because he's a legacy guy and there's just this attachment. That's out the window now. And <clears throat> even when Frost was hired before the records, before this year's bad record, I always looked at 2022 as you look at it on the schedule and you say, okay, there's opportunity there. But this has to be the point where all the bricks you've laid and everything that you've put together rises up to like, you know, that eight, nine plus win season and you are staying there for good. And so I, I don't know. I like the fact that now we're here and everybody knows what's on the line. I think I, I wrote this Sunday and I believe it fully. I don't think Trev necessarily is just going to, if they win six games next year, say that's good enough. That was progress. Cause it was more than last year. I think this team is viewed as basically a six or seven win team by those in the offices over there, even though they didn't get to that. And next year they'll be expected to win more. And uh, it's not going to be easy because they're going to have to change some key parts on defense, which has been very good. And as, as you know, Schaefer and you Bronx are getting to, I mean, you're going to have to meld uh, different minds together in a hurry on offense to have something that looks pretty good. And that's going to not be easy. So <clears throat> It's a fascinating storyline to watch play out, but I do like that the buyout's down to seven and a half million now next year. And now it's like game on, what can you do? Everybody knows what's at stake and there's no, uh, 
dancing around it anymore. The, the pressure is fully on and it's, uh, and I think it's understood from every corner. Do you, do you guys feel like Trev Alberts has more skin in the game now coming out of yesterday? <clears throat> he made this decision. I mean, cause prior is like, he gets brought in in July. Obviously the season's going to unfold how it unfolds, but now he's directly involved. I mean, there's a, the decision is made to bring back Scott Frost the decision was made, I assume, even beyond the Scott Frost level of that staff changes were needed on offense. Trev Alberts is now tied to Scott Frost in a different way than he was prior to Monday. Do you, do you Brunch, do you think that, or am I out on a limb on that one? No, I mean, I, I think through this season, I've felt that that Trev was going to like Trev was supportive of Scott this year. And I don't think he wanted to make a move. He, and he's certainly, he's tied to him in a way um, that that's maybe not, I mean, it would be one thing if he just came back and said, look, like we're, we, we've seen enough progress, even though the record hasn't been what it is, we're going to come back next year and give it one more shot. But to me, and maybe I'm wrong, but the fact that you have the – it feels like there's been things that have been laid out behind the scenes that perhaps would tie them in a different way of, like, these are the expectations. I, I don't know if there's a number that they're going to share, but I would expect that there's probably a number that they're in an understanding of that they have to get to next year. But the fact that they got the buyout down, I mean, that was – big for I think for for everybody I mean let's be honest I, th- I think Bill Moose and that extension a couple of years ago pretty much saved Scott Frost this time around if we're being honest and yeah they are tied together but at the same time I don't think it's a as as Scott goes Trev goes in some ways because I think the fact that he negotiated the buyout down you had the the salary reduction being what it is that's probably going to go to assistant coaches I feel like it's it's a little bit of a different tie, if that makes sense. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I don't think it's in a, I don't think it's in an unhealthy. Uh, I mean, yes, they're connected in a way, sticking with them and all that. But I, there have been points, and we've seen them as recently as a year or two ago, where you felt like ads were so attached to the coach, where okay, you got to move the ad out to move the coach out, and at least that's where the clarity comes in. What I was talking about earlier with Nebraska is that's not the situation here. I fully believe Trev Alberts is still in position where they can, you know, if they go six and six next year and it's just middle of the road, they could move on and he, he could do that easily. He was very candid more. And I think we got to acknowledge more so than ADs usually are last night when he said, my confidence was shaken, honestly, after the Purdue and Minnesota games, he said that on the record. Um, and he said, more or less, I mean, if they had gotten their doors blown off Saturday against Ohio State, we might be having a fully different conversation right now. And I know that they were working on some contract stuff, maybe behind the scenes, but none of that's set in cement. And if they had lost that game Saturday, like 52 to 7, um, I think it's a different story by listening to Trev yesterday. So I, I think he came down to where – I believe if you took a poll in this state, and I know it wouldn't be this way on our message board and maybe on social media, but I think in this state, there would still be, give him one more shot. I think Frost would win that. And I think he would actually win it by more than some people think. But I do think people are sort of 
to that one more shot category now. Like it's that that's sort of where it is. Um, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I don't know. That's just sort of my read. If I were to guess, it's if if you took a poll of the whole fan base across the state. I don't know that you're wrong. I, I think that there's probably more people that that would rather see this for one more year just to feel certainty for whatever their reasons might be. Maybe it's a, the different coaches. Maybe it's a different quarterback. Maybe it's a schedule. Whatever it is, I mean, there's no shortage of things that people could lay out there as to what they want to see or why they want to see it. So um, I, I think you're right, Brian. Um, I just – as I kind of sift through what all of this means, there's certain things that kind of pop out to me and uh, we're going to have plenty of time to, to dive into, to all of those things. So we'll just, we'll, we'll slide the conversation a little bit down the road to a couple different things here. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll dive into a little recruiting. I talked to Ashton Hayes, who's part of Nebraska's 2022 class. One of the few guys that actually is committed to a coach that is gone. Um, and so we'll get, we'll talk about that conversation. Nebraska also, uh, this seems like it was 15 years ago. <laughs> it was actually Saturday morning before they played the contest against Ohio State. Nebraska picked up a commitment in its class in Julio Martin. I know, it sounds insane, but they did it. They added to their class on Saturday before they subtracted from their coaching staff on Monday. So we'll talk about Julio Martin. And then uh, here's the thing about firing coaches when you have two games left. Someone still has to coach those position groups. So we're going to talk about oh that as well when we return. And you are listening to the Husker 24-7 podcast. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You are still listening to the Husker 24-7 podcast. All right. So I mentioned recruiting. We'll start with Julio Martin. This is a guy that came in 
in the end of June, the second Friday Night Lights camp. He comes from Chicago. He was part of a, a group of guys that, that came out that day. And immediately, Travis Fisher pulls him out of the warm-up groups. I think they had gone through drills just once or twice. And suddenly, he's down on the, the near side over by the crowd and the reporters. And you can watch a very animated, very excited Travis Fisher talking to this kid. And you can see why. He's six foot three. He's long-armed. He moves pretty well. And you can immediately tell, okay, this is a guy that Travis Fisher – you can already hear the quotes in your head about how he's going to cross train and he's going to play a little safety. He'll play a little defensive back and a little corner. And then you can kind of even get the Travis Fisher chuckle going where he'll mention how people think that this guy should be a safety, but Fisher thinks he can play corner, but you can visualize all of it. And that was in June of 2021 when he was out there for a Friday night lights camp. Jaleel Martin didn't get to do his official visit until November. He came out and saw Nebraska play Ohio state on Saturday but this commitment was largely over for a couple different reasons. One, I think he really likes Travis Fisher, the relationship that he built there and the defensive staff, all of those guys still set the return Two, Alante Brown and, and Marcus Buford have done a nice job with the, the city of Chicago kind of creating Nebraska to be a place that, you know, it hasn't popped yet, but they really do believe in it. And I, I think that's kind of interesting for a variety of reasons. One, Alante Brown isn't a guy that has played a lot this year, but he is someone that seems to be really high on where Nebraska is going. And so when he's talking to these guys that he knows in Chicago and he's telling them about what's happening out here and he's still selling Nebraska in a positive light, I think that matters. I think that's a good thing. And then same with Buford, uh, who also went to St. Thomas More, and originally from Chicago, ended up down in Dallas and then ended up back at St. Thomas More. Same thing. And so I, I think that's a good sign for Nebraska. And certainly getting a commitment is good. They're still in the 70s in terms of overall team ranking. But it adds another defensive back and adds an interesting piece to the overall group. So Jaleel Martin commits on Saturday, adds him, or gets him up to nine commitments in this class. I still think high school-wise, you'd probably be looking at maybe two to four more players, depending on what they're able to, to add and, and find. And and who they want to make offers to. There's a couple in-state guys still that, that could end up uh, potentially receiving a full offer. So that was Jaleel Martin. I don't know if either of you guys have a whole lot of opinions on him, but anything you want to say on Jaleel Martin? I, I remember him from the, the camp that and that crew from Chicago. And I, I, you, you're spot on. I mean, it's a, it's a Travis Fisher special, right? It's a, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> A tall, guy, a, a tall guy who can run, who can play corner safety, that they're going to play, start at both positions and, and train at both positions. I mean, that's that's kind of the book, and they've done well with that. So, I mean, that that was, you know, good um, that, that that happened. I mean, and then it's a little bit of momentum on the recruiting trail. I mean, you saw you, – you, we saw him commit on the field. I mean, he hugged Scott Frost and committed when Frost was coming out of the tunnel for warm-ups, and – um, you know, it had been a while for Nebraska to have um, that kind of momentum from a regional type recruit. So I guess that matters for something too, but I, it's uh, definitely a, a type and uh, fits what Nebraska has gotten in the past. All right. So moving on from Jaleel Martin, who's the ninth commit in the class, we can talk a little about Ashton Hayes here. Ashton committed to Nebraska in June. He's the running back that's currently slated in this class. 
He's having a great season for McQueen High School in Reno, Nevada right now, where he has a little more than 1,500 yards, 24 touchdowns in uh, 10 games, I think. And so he has played very well, put up video game type numbers, coming off of sort of a, for him, really disappointing junior year. It was his first year with McQueen, and he felt like he didn't really mesh that well with the offensive line, and, and he didn't quite have it down as he wanted. And he's been very happy with how things have gone. So I talked with, with Ashton about Ryan Held and, and the situation there, and he sort of explained it that, you know, on Mondays he usually talks with Ryan Held. They check in. They talk about how Nebraska played. They talk about how he played. They talk about what's coming up. And he calls Held, no answer, doesn't think anything of it. Occasionally, you know, the, the coach is busy. And so he sends a text and basically plans to, you know, hopefully check in with him a little bit later. Goes to practice, comes back. He's or before he goes to practice, checks his phone, and on Twitter basically finds out that his future position coach and four of the five assistants on offense at Nebraska are no longer going to be there. And you know that's a weird spot. Like it's it's one thing if it's a media member, if it's a fan, it's whatever. If you're a guy that's committed to go play for a school, and suddenly that school does not have four offensive coaches anymore. And you're about to go strap on your helmet and go go out to football practice. He said, "Isn't it a surreal feeling?" Um, and you know, he went out and he practiced because that's what he has to do. And he came back and he had a message from Scott Frost, and he's hoping to talk more with Scott Frost. But long story short, he's still very much committed to Nebraska. He he, you know, had nothing but good things to say about Ryan Held, and had hoped that Ryan Held would be his position coach but he believes fully in Scott Frost and what's happening at Nebraska. And he wants to be a part of this thing. And so um, there's not a lot of guys that, that would have had decisions to make after yesterday. Victor Jones jr. Is someone that certainly uh, maybe the, the most interesting of Nebraska's offensive commitments. He was a guy that I, I think uh, Nebraska landed largely because of Sean Becton. So it's hard to see a whole lot of change there. Grant page is someone that I know, um, uh, that I, that I know that Matt Lubick was really involved in that recruitment too. So he's someone to potentially keep an eye on, but Richard Torres has a knee injury. Grant page has gotten hurt. You don't have an offensive line commit chase Androff is a tight end. So that's Travis or excuse me, Travis, that's uh, Sean Pecton. So there's, there's really not a lot of movement I would expect from this, this recruiting class. I mean, I, I think that, some of the more interesting conversations are basically going to take place with players already in the program, not so much the ones that they're trying to go out and solicit and bring in. It's uh, you also wrote something uh, post game about decisions of guys currently on the roster and to kind of how big this week is for those guys. Um, Austin Allen specifically, I think Jojo Doman is certainly in that camp for maybe what the next two, two games hold for him, but for a guy like Austin Allen that could potentially return next year, what, what did you kind of find out about the conversations he's going to be having this week? And frankly, I mean, that, that was before everything else happened, but yeah. um, how he was kind of approaching things going into the second bye week. Yeah, there's a handful of guys, whether it's, you know, Adrian Martinez, a quarterback, Austin Allen, a tight end, Travis Vokalek, a tight end, uh, Cam Jurgens, your center that are having real conversations about what's next for them. And, you know, they're all different. Austin Allen's a slam dunk NFL draft pick. I, I believe that he could leave after this season. And I believe he'd be taken in the NFL draft. Uh, the question for him is where, and, and then the other question is, is he comfortable 
as someone who came in at the end of Mike Riley and has been here for the duration of Scott Frost, and he's never had a winning season. He's never played on a winning season uh, with this football team. And that means something to him. I mean, I, I think this is a guy that, you know, you, you talk about these in-state players who carry a little bit of a legacy as they come here. This is someone who went from Aurora to Lincoln with the idea that he was going to be part of, of the next phase of Nebraska football. And that phase has never come. And, and he's talked about like, you know, one of the reasons that he would want to come back is he wants to leave on a good note. This year was supposed to be that for a number of guys with the best roster that they've had and a multi-year starting quarterback and a deep defense and they're not going to do it. And you could tell that that was kind of eating him up a little bit as he talked through it. Is that going to be enough to get a guy to turn down the, the allure of playing in the NFL? I don't know. But he was going to use this week to kind of try to lock in where he was at. Said he wanted to sit down and talk with his parents, then talk with some of the representation draft scouts, try to get sort of a uh, – try to get an idea as to where he falls in this whole thing. But Austin Allen's one of those guys that's really interesting. Like I said, Cam Jurgens, I wouldn't – wouldn't completely dismiss the idea that he could jump early. Uh, there's there's people on this roster that what it looks like in theory coming back for 2022, I don't know that you can write in with Sharpie. And so there's, you know, some of this week might be trying to, to figure out who's in, who's out. And you're doing that with, without having a real clarity yet as to what the offense is going to look like, who's going to be potentially calling those plays and, and what you're looking to highlight. So it's a, uh, you know, as it often is, but feels more so this week than ever. Wild times over in Memorial Stadium. I'm interested too how, for these last two games, how you hold some things together on offense, and I, maybe it won't be as hard as I think. But this is a team that, largely despite their poor record, I think has kind of stuck with each other. And, you know, it, it's, it's interesting when you have four coaches, a lot of those coaches recruited certain guys on that, in that roster. And, you know, there's some attachment there. And so that's good. That's going to be a little bit of a interesting hurdle to work over. Uh, you know, it's gotta be strange, like going to practice and those coaches aren't there. And, you know, it's, it's just going to be a weird vibe next week for a team that's, for an offense that's going up against a Wisconsin defense that, oh, by the way, is ranked number one in total defense, um, what you will about Wisconsin's offense. But if we're talking about the Nebraska offense versus the Wisconsin D matchup, that's rough on paper to begin with. And now you're going into it with a, a makeshift staff uh, here, you know, in the middle of the season. Yeah, I, I... – go ahead, Brooks. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I, I wonder if it's going to feel like that, uh, that holiday bowl against um, USC where Nebraska just completely threw the entire kitchen sink at, at them offensively. I'd like that, but I, I'm dubious. Anyways. <laughs> Would either of you be interested in Logan Smothers playing a much larger role over the next two games? Or do you think that's almost unfair to him given the lack of coaches that will be around? Uh. I, I don't mind interjecting him if you feel like he's ready for something. I mean, he's at that point where he's played four games. I don't know how much the red shirt means. It doesn't – Frost has acted like that's not a big deal in this case. Um, so once he plays one more snap, that's out the window. Um, but I sometimes think that's 
we get that's overrated how, nowadays how much we analyze like if a guy's going to stick under the four or not M- most guys uh especially with the eligibility freeze last year are going to spend four or five years in a program no matter what so um i i would try to play him a little bit and get him um get him a series or get him some snaps you know kind of like they did with McCaffrey um at the end of I guess it was 2019 where he would pop in as sort of a curveball, especially if Adrian doesn't have, you know, if his wheels aren't uh, quite right. I, I think it makes some sense, but I also think you got to do whatever service you can to your team. If you, if you really believe there's a gap, you got to play your best guy, no matter what, even if the fan base is hollering for someone else. Yeah, it, I'd be interested. I, I don't know though. I mean, I get, Brian's right. I think part of it is probably what Adrian Martinez's health looks like. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know if it's fair to the kid given everything that's happened, but um, I don't know. I guess, I guess if you kind of threw him in there, um, you know, it, it kind of invites the question of what, well, what was going on the, you know, the rest of the year, especially with as strongly as uh Scott kind of clapped back on the suggestion that Smothers should play more after uh, last week's game. Yeah, I guess I sort of view it as you have two games in which you get an opportunity to take a real look at the future of your roster. It'd be sort of ridiculous to me to not attempt to see what Logan Smothers is um, relative in a a conference setting. I I don't think you need to put him out there to be the starter, but like if this is a guy that's a real option for you to be a quarterback next year and you can't play him against either Wisconsin or Iowa, I would have concerns in that regard. And then part of it to me is if we're going to do the thing where Adrian's injuries get talked about after you lose another game and, and all of that, like, shouldn't we also wonder why Logan Smothers isn't more capable of playing prior to you know, 50% Adrian or whatever it was at times. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like too often we're left wondering why things happen. And then after the fact, we're told like, well, actually he was hurt or this or that. And I guess I, I sort of have the idea of you need to use these last two weeks and not just straight experimental throw caution to the wind, leave guys out to dry kind of thing but work some different people in like, even if it's just a handful of uh, series for Logan Smothers, that's more valuable for you than getting Adrian out there. If you're trailing, you know, 24 to seven in the third quarter, like let's see what Logan Smothers can do. Like, I, I just, there's, there's this weird mentality that is, has kind of permeated on some of that where it's like, they're almost scared to, to even see what's behind that door. And maybe it's because it hasn't been good. I don't really know, but I at, at this point, I don't think you have a lot to lose with it. You have a lot more that you can sort of gain by getting real film of your quarterback playing in Big Ten games, besides just the Northwestern one. The other, the other, I guess, counterpoint to that would be is if you were running a quarterback out there with a broken jaw, a high ankle sprain, and – you know, maybe there maybe there wasn't that much mystery about kind of where things stood with him. Yeah, I, I would like to see it. I would like to know where things stand um, because we can get into this another time. But the quarterback spot 
is, is one reason why Nebraska is in this situation that, that they had to do yesterday is because of going all in on one person, not bringing in somebody out of the portal and um, not being able to, to develop uh, backups and keep them around. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair. Um, I just also don't know that you get a hold up the, the injuries as part of the reasons that you're struggling at times on offense either, because that's a choice that you consciously make to continue to play them. Well, no, and you can't clap back on rumors about injuries and then a month later right, yeah. re- like, reveal that that was the injury. Too often they want it both ways over there. And I, I find myself just wondering, like, here's your opportunity to sort of see what you have with this roster. I don't know that they'll do it, but I, it's a, you know, like you, you have some of these freshmen. Is it the worst thing in the world if Will Nixon and Elante Brown get some more playing time? against Iowa and, and Wisconsin. Like, I just think there's an opportunity to, to sort of assess your roster in a different way because there's really nothing to lose in these games. Like, I, I don't know. And maybe that's an easy thing to say when you have no skin in it, but. Um, no, I, I think it's an interesting point. It's an interesting discussion. Um, Cause I, you do want to see that. And yet, they need to beat Iowa. <laughs> I mean, they really need to, they need to win that game and whoever gives you the best shot. I know it's like whether they win three or four, it could be the, you know, it's so you sort of, there's part of you that says who cares, but I guarantee people are going to care if I was sprinting across the field, you know, after a 17 point win to claim the trophy again. So I, I understand where that's always a delicate balance. And also you got to be fair to your roster. Cause there's some guys who will, who see this stuff every day who say, why is this guy out here? You know, like when sometimes we're asking for a certain guy and they're like, that guy's not ready, you know, but uh, I would like to see Smothers pop up a bit at the end, not, not in a full-time role, but I'd like to say, he's kind of surprised me with his, how he has played in games this year. And I wouldn't mind seeing it against a, a more sturdy defense. All right. Any closing thoughts? That's a no. That silence is a no. (laughs) Hoops. Hoops tonight. That's my closing thought. It's hoops time. All right. Well, we will, we will assess some Nebraska basketball after they get a couple games in this week. And we'll discuss that more next week. Uh, I'm sure we're going to discuss how the rest of the bye week plays out in terms of uh, if Nebraska does any more recruiting, if there's any more news that advances, but but there will be no hype cast on Friday there. uh, You, you will, you know, miss our, our wonderful voices. We can't get you hyped for a game that doesn't exist, but we will be back next week with another podcast and be sure to check out Husker 24 seven for all of your content. We'll be busy filing stories, writing things here throughout the bye week We'll catch you next time. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.